This is the Banker's Corner, a McGuire Woods series exploring investment trends, solutions, and business issues relevant in today's private equity and finance industry. Tune in with McGuire Woods partner Jeff Cockrell as he and specialists share real-world insight to help enhance your knowledge. Thank you for joining another episode of the Corner Series. I'm your host, Jeff Cockrell, partner at McGuire Woods. Here at the Corner Series, we bring together thought leaders and deal makers at the intersection of private equity and healthcare investing. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by my longtime friend, Mike Pisani from Houlihan Loki. Mike's one of the best uh, healthcare investment bankers I know. We've worked on numerous deals over the years, and this will be a ton of fun. Uh, Mike, maybe introduce yourself and uh, Houlihan a little bit. Yeah, Jeff, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on today. Uh, Mike Pisani, I co-head our healthcare services practice here in North America at Houlihan. Been with the firm for almost uh, just north of 15 years and have been advising in healthcare for right around 20. Houlihan Loki, there's a lot to read on our firm these days, uh, but we've been around for north of 50 years, 36 locations worldwide north of 2,500 global employees and uh, and right around $1.8 billion worth of revenue. And I happen to, again, sort of sit in our healthcare vertical, leading up a number of our efforts, including our retail healthcare business. Well, Mike, today I think we're going to talk a little bit about a particular subsector in uh, healthcare services, uh, that being all of the interest that we're seeing in med spas and related types of sectors Maybe to get us started, if you could kind of position the the med spa sector within maybe the broader uh, uh, derm uh, universe, or how would you segment the med spa sector? Yeah, Jeff, it's a good question. You know, we we kind of segment it within our our retail healthcare multi unit franchise, and you know, predominantly because of the four wall nature of the business, but also kind of the direct to consumer elements. Interesting story. We've advised on, you know, a number of large scale medical derm related platforms over the years. And during COVID, one of the things we saw with that client base was how the aesthetic cosmetic side of each one of those businesses rebounded much, much quicker than perhaps the medical derm side. And it got our attention. You know, when you think about the med spa market in general, you know, it's a massive market. It's probably right around 25 billion if you include a variety of other services. Incredible margin profile, nice recurring revenue, obviously a cash pay, you know, service line in an environment where you're seeing a lot of wage and margin pressure. It's it's one of one of the interesting levers that many operators can pull. And it's incredibly fragmented. You know, I think nearly half the med spas in this country have been built in the last three and a half four years. So you've got an incredible amount of white space. And depending on what you read, the market's probably growing, you know, somewhere between 10 to 15% a year. So it's been interesting to follow, particularly as it relates to the investor community too, because to your point, you know, where do we put it? You know, we put it at the intersection of, of healthcare and consumer, and that sort of correlates to, I think, where you've seen recent activity. There's been a few trades, some of which have been done by healthcare teams, some of which have been done by consumer teams. And so our approach as it relates to this market is to kind of co-team it and cover it from both a healthcare perspective and a consumer standpoint. How often do you see these businesses as kind of pure play versus connected to more medical dermatology type businesses? You know, you see you see about 10 to maybe 20% of a medical derm practice having a cosmetic component to it. More and more, I think, just like 
you know, you've seen other categories evolve into a specialty like model. More and more, we're finding that, you know, med spas are obviously conveniently located in standalone offerings. But interestingly enough, those worlds seem to be converging quite some. You know, the medical derm groups uh, have been more and more active in an approach to med spas. We've seen some activity as it relates to the plastic surgery side of the market with some of the larger groups in the medical derm world. And so the worlds are converging, but they're also separating at the same time. There's been a ton written about some of the new weight loss drugs, injectable and otherwise, that have been coming on the market. Is that kind of transforming some of the med spa universe? I, I certainly hear and see people talking a lot about that at both kind of the work level and, and some of the personal levels that been really transformative of that sector. Not so much in the medical weight loss drugs, although I would say increasingly more and more, they're becoming a fabric of some med spas as part of an overall health and wellness solution. Injectables are certainly the primary driver. You know, I'd say not only from from the clients that that we've been spending time with, but also the investor community, injectables represent a, a fairly large portion of the overall market, but they happen to be growing faster than other related services like body contouring or laser or product sales. And not to mention, it's an incredibly recurring financial profile. Yeah, I think the statistics out there would suggest that, you know, by your second visit with Botox, you're, you're somewhat hooked for life. And so that, that sort of financial model, I think, is a primary driver behind why you're seeing an explosion of that related offering inside of MedSpot today. A lot of sectors in healthcare, there's interest in them because they are resilient to other things going on in the economy, meaning that uh, if the economy is bad, people still need to go to the doctor. There could be some impact, but there's a natural resilience, especially where you have a lot of government pay. The med spa business is much more personal pay. How impacted by a recession do you think the med spa industry would be? We've done a lot of work around this. And I think for those investors that have spent real time understanding the category, they get it. For those that haven't, that's a that's a typical question that's come up. I think our view is, you know, during the Great Recession, which by the way, you know, G-R-E-A-T, which was right around 15 plus years ago, I think Botox sales were were up right around 2%. And I don't think everybody believes that we're going to go through a similar like recession. But again, you know, that was that was 15 years ago. And, and the supply demand dynamics in the market have have certainly changed. You know, back then, I think this category, particularly as it relates to injectables, was primarily a rejuvenation category of, you know, mostly female boomers. Today, it's much more of a prejuvenation category. The younger demographic in this country is, frankly, the fastest user of these services. And we're also seeing the category skew more male. You know, the, the stigma associated with preventive like um, aesthetics um, is largely gone. The, the Zoom effect, I think, is real. People are just spending more time thinking about their appearance and, you know, as a result, you know, we've seen volumes hold incredibly steady, even as we sit here today having this podcast. Perhaps there's been some softness in pockets as it relates to patient return frequency or spend per visit. But most providers are booked out for weeks to months, you know, and have, have really good backlog. So 
you know, as we think about it, we feel it's much more important to take a longer term outlook on the category versus a 12 to 15 month perspective, even as an investor, because you're playing, call it two decades worth of megatrends here. You mentioned the fragmentation uh, in this industry. Two questions. Uh, One is the business model uh, of growth in this sector. How much of it is driven by consolidating that fragmented market versus uh, kind of greenfield new locations for existing platforms? And then secondly, on the consolidation front, where would you describe us? And I assume we're pretty early in the innings of consolidation, but maybe give a little color on kind of fragmentation in the business model. You know, I think the stats are there's somewhere around, I think, 5,000 med spas in this country. 80% of them are single clinic. So that should give you some indication of what the fragmentation looks like. A lot of the growth in the industry is obviously being driven by new patients, but also new units. To my comments earlier, you know, I think nearly half the med spas in the country have been built in the last three to, to four years. So the category is incredibly youthful. That obviously leads to a consolidation opportunity. And to your point, we're incredibly early. There's half a dozen or so consolidators in the marketplace today. You look at other categories like medical derm, which we've talked about previously, or or animal health on the general practice side. You know, there's three to four dozen in each one of those categories. And so, you know, we we see decades upon decades of growth, not only as it relates to de novo opportunities and white space, but also consolidation that's likely going to occur. And while there's some signs of that occurring already with certain of the consolidators who have got off, gotten off, frank, quite frankly, to rapid starts, there's a lot of better things coming, too, as it relates to a lot of these, these other med spas, particularly those of which are private equity backed, um, that are experiencing rapid growth and therefore scale that's likely going to you know, occur down the road. That level of interest, especially when you're talking about private equity buyers that are not just healthcare buyers often drives higher pricing. How would you describe kind of the current environment for med spa pricing? It's probably, Jeff, I would say equivalent to, you know, what we saw in VET two to three years ago, if that's a good analogy. You've got a market that, you know, I think the last stats were something like 7% of people who have who are aware of Botox have tried it, which means, you know, the addressable market for this service is much lo- much larger than it currently is today. That coupled with the growth rate that exists and the unit economics that exists for de novos, which, you know, in my experience are best in class as compared to any other area of retail healthcare, you know, has pushed multiples incredibly high in the space. And I, I don't think they're gonna abate anytime soon in fact, there's there's more demand from private equity than there is supply of scaled assets in the market today, which creates that imbalance, which, you know, for sellers is is a beautiful thing. Yeah, that imbalance of supply and demand on platforms is often a catalyst on the bottom end of the market for kind of uh, brand new consolidations, starting very small to kind of build to a little bit of scale and then yep. be the product that sold up a market. Are you seeing a, a fair amount of that dynamic? Yes, that's predominantly what's occurring. There's several lower middle market funds. There's some middle market funds and maybe there's a, a large scale buyout fund or two 
that have kind of entered the space to take advantage of that. But, you know, most of the activity is building something, you know, for some of the larger private equity investors in the category to transact at later on. And so, you know, it's a it's a consolidation play of, of multi-clinic med spas that exist in the marketplace today to build scale and relevance for that next wave of investors who eagerly want to participate in the category's growth. In other sectors where there haven't been kind of enough kind of smaller platforms that have come together, we would see folks trying to pull together a group of dis- disparate smaller practices. Take, for example, in the uh, PT universe, we, I've done several deals where uh, there's maybe four to six what had previously been unconnected businesses brought together in the context of a sale. Are you seeing any of that dynamic in the med spa world? We haven't yet. We haven't yet. But I suspect over time that's likely to occur. The, be- the beauty, frankly, of this business model is it is cash pay, which means you know, the overhead typically as a percentage of sales is smaller than you'd find in other healthcare verticals, right? You you don't need revenue cycle management as an example, which typically runs, you know, I don't know, four to 6% of revenue. So there's, I think the benefits of scale are probably fairly unique in the, in the infrastructure that's required beyond just the marketing engine and brand uh, engine of many of these businesses isn't isn't nearly as acute. And so, um, you know, I suspect, Jeff, there's going to be activity like that, particularly as folks see more and more transactions and realize that those transactions are probably being priced at a level of scale that they don't have today. Every business is not all uh, headwinds or tailwinds. We've we've talked about several of the the tailwinds in this sector. What are some of the headwinds that uh, these businesses can face? I think the, the biggest headwind today is probably that demand is far outstripping supply of practitioners. And, you know, it's a good problem to have. Frankly, I think the med spa category is an attractive one, particularly for nurses and injectors as compared to alternative settings such as hospitals. And so, and while they can also make a credibly productive and healthy income in a more you know, physically appealing location environment, that is a challenge. There just aren't enough folks particularly to serve the demand. Although in, in, in the world of choice, we certainly think it's an attractive one. And we, have, we haven't seen really any limitation around that yet. But if this, if this category continues to see the kind of growth going to be important for folks to have creative, you know, models around compensation, alignment, recruiting, and real human capital energy behind a business in order to service the demand and continue to open at the pace that they've opened at historically. In a lot of uh, provider service businesses, uh, especially in the retail environment, you end up with a few kind of significant providers that control some of the business or a lot of the business. In the context of the med spa environment, are there kind of similarly kind of large personalities in these deals or is it all kind of retail branding? Kind of who controls the, the, the business flow in these, in these businesses? Yeah, a lot of it's brand, Jeff. I think, you know, what you, what you find is, you know, perhaps on the plastic side, it's more about the personality and the physician. In the med spa world, 
I would say it's more about the brand, but that, but that, you know, provider to patient interaction is incredibly important. I mean, you know, what we found is um, patients are much more educated today than they have been in the past, particularly around this service. They do their homework. And that injector to patient relationship is particularly important. The consultation that goes in, the service that goes in, and the experience as a result of it, if done well, again, to my earlier points, results in you know, a fairly attractive LTV of that patient over time. And so that's definitely evident in these practices. It's important, but you don't have the same type of relationships or key man risk, if you will, or key person risk, if you will, that exists, um, you know, as you'll find in some other areas. So, Mike, you've indicated that we're at the early innings of consolidation in this industry. But question, where does this industry go? Is it going to uh, consolidate into larger and larger platforms? Is it going to expand and kind of converge with other similar or adjacent businesses? Where does this industry evolve to? Yeah, great question. I mean, given the growth of the category and the white space that exists, I think we have you know at least five to 10 years of runway before we start to see some of the consolidation that's typically occurred in in other categories that you and I have participated in. You know, the add-on activity is incredibly attractive. The de novo unit economics are 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 wildly compelling. And therefore I think individual of these platforms are going to have large degrees of success over time. As we think out, you know, 10 years, which is oftentimes irresponsible to do, I think what you'll find is there's going to be some consolidation that exists to create national brand opportunities, but there's also going to be some convergence that exists where I think we'll see medical derm groups realize perhaps they need new and innovative models outside of their existing clinics um, and capabilities to, to, to leverage you know, an incredible amount of patient volume they already have coming into their centers today and almost a defensive strategy to make sure they retain those patients in the future. I think we'll also probably see um, some of the plastic surgery and med spa businesses combined. You've got this whole ocean of plastic surgery groups that exist out there. There is some pretty interesting and compelling cross-selling opportunities that exist between these practices, particularly for certain types of patients. And so over time, I think you're going to see both of those pockets sort of develop. And then, you know, maybe at some point you've got, you know, players that are national in scope and scale that, you know, start to attract some of the more creative buyers in the market, you know, that are even on the product side who want to create, you know, vertically integrated opportunities and tap into this category through a clinic model, et cetera. So I think we'll be doing med spa deals for the next 10 to 15 years as, or as long as I'm here at Houlihan. So we're, we're pretty excited about where this market's going in the future. With that, Mike, I think we'll call it uh, a wrap. Super interesting topic and always a ton of fun to talk with you. Thank you for joining. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this installment of The Banker's Corner. To learn more about today's discussion, please email host Jeff Cockrell at gcockrell at mcguirewoods.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This series was recorded and is being made available by McGuire Woods for informational purposes only. 
By accessing this series, you acknowledge that McGuire Woods makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this installment. The views, information, or opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily reflect those of McGuire Woods. This series should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney in your state and should not be construed as an offer to make or consider any investment or course of action.